Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmaila. This is David Lichtenstein. This week's share will be about inviting guests for Shabbos. Should you invite guests that will affect your children, especially if it's Kirov at your Shabbos Udis? Or is it at the expense of your children's Shabbos experience? Or maybe their time with you, your relationship with your children. What comes first, Kirov or your children? Or will they be maybe exposed to the wrong type of, I don't know, individuals, questions? Another question. Someone has a different kashrus standard than you. Could you eat at the house? What happens if they'll be insulted if you don't come? You makar of somebody and he says, Rabbi, or he says, Maishala, come, Kiddush, my wife made a cholent special for you. She looked in the recipe book. What do you do? You could be marachik the person. What about, you don't know exactly their, their, their kashrus standards. What type of cheskas kashrus does a person need to eat by him? If you're a bacher, someone you don't know in shul invites you, what constitutes a cheskas kashrus? If you know your host is quote-unquote modern, for example, he keeps kashrus, Shabbos, Tarah, Samishbacha, can you eat there? Does he become an aid echad and that's neman? What about if he tells you, I bought the highest degree of kashrus for you? Is he neman? What happens? If so, he keeps different hechsherim than you. You're makbid on chsidish hechsherim, the OU, and this guy eats the triangle K, the tablet K, the OK. Can you eat by him or not? What's the halach? Is it a chumra or is it not a chumra? The Mishnah Bur says, if it's just a chumra, not mavaza person, is it more than a chumra? What about blias? You eat by somebody, he says, I bought special food for you. Do you have to worry about blias of the kalim? We're going to have Rabbi Yitzchak Fingera. He's the Rav of the Brooklyn Jewish Experience-based Medrash. What he does is he's an expert in Kirov. Murad the Astra of Brooklyn's Kirov Center. I had a student that thought that what makes a cow kosher is it has to be circumcised. I had another guy who said, this food, he said, this chont is geschmack, it's gewaldig, it's gehenim. We'll have Rabbi Mordechai Becha, the renowned lecturer, Eishatoira, etc., etc., all the gateways, etc., basically every Kirov organization uses Rabbi Mordechai Becha. What do you mean by a, an Orthodox? Is, is there any makor for even defining someone? We have halachic categories like um, Mumer, uh, Min, um, Apikoros, and so on and so forth, people who have outside the pale. Uh, in terms of we've got such a thing as Cheskas Kastros, um, an assumption that someone's a, a, a good Jew. Um, I don't know if we have a definition per se kind of, of, of this guy is a frumga. And then we're going to have from Chabad. Chabad is the, the, the Kirov, the Sar HaKirov of today's Doyer is the Chabad. Rabbi Mordechai Farkash, Rav in Bellevue, Washington for 28 years. A lot of the younger Shluchim call him with Shilas like this. I can't say it's 100% because I don't know what Rabbi Kalabas of the Chuvah is written to what he wrote in Maisha. I think my Ashore is, I'm not convinced, but I'm throwing it out there. Last Daskar, the Maisha is talking about the discussion that we have over here about inviting people because we are looking to save their lives, Ruchnias and Begashmias from the world out there. It's very possible that this Chuva has to do with the fact that in, as we know the stories in those days, shoes were emptying out. People moved out of neighborhoods. And shoes were collapsing. Communities were completely, you know, um, um, getting lost. And Rabbanim, or maybe Gaboim, or Rashikol, were looking maybe ways to try to get their, their membership back, not to lose the shoe. Should make for a really fabulous uh, sheer. So, one of the things I was asked to do, and I said, how do we get people more involved? They said, you should invite the listeners in. 
And by the way, we do. And we ask you for topics. And if you suggest a topic, we'll, we'll give it over, B'Shem Oimre, that this is the topic of so-and-so. So here is a, a, a voice message we got from somebody who's concerned about some of our last topics. Hello. I enjoy your show very much. Very informing with it. Very uh, spoken. Some uh, hard uh, things to talk about. I'd just like to understand that certain topics are very sensitive. And there are children that, not children, there are young adults that are listening to the show. I want to know if this is age appropriate. They're supposed to know about it. It's like very important adults should be listening to it. But as we know that there are children that are listening to it, I'd like to know. And he's making a very, an errant the person, making a very important point. He says, why are you, you have many Bachram who listen to this, younger people, right? Bachram is too complicated for younger Bachram, but 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds, 20-year-olds, why are you talking about things like molestation, shalom bias, divorce? Like, why would they want to know about molestation? You're opening their eyes to things that they should be a Kaddish and they should never hear. I think that's a very powerful argument. What's the other tzad? Well, there's two other tzadim to it. One tzad is, look, the bachram in yeshiva, you know, the, unless you're a chassidish bacha, they, they skip parts of ksubis, they psukim in the Torah, they don't learn certain psukim, are they? but, you know, our boys learn kedushin, they learn ksubis, I mean, they learn daftes, I mean, we learned all these sugyas, hara, kaina, all, so the Torah is, you know, Torah is metayr. There's nothing, what does the Gemara say in Brachas? The Gemara says, kinetolim, I'm doing this from memory, kinetolim, at leinachal, so the Gemara in Brachas, Arshim, so it's just like, mikvah is metayr, mayim is metayr, Torah is metayr. When you're talking Torah, there's no, there's no, Torah is metayr, everything. That's one side. Or you could say, no, maybe that's what they're learning in Elamdish when they hear somebody telling over a story, Lamaisa, maybe it could have a different impact on them. That's one side that you should not be speaking about. It, or a tzad that you should be speaking about it is that um, A, that it's Torah, and B is, listen, you know, um, wouldn't they, you rather they be educated than ignorant if chas v'shalom something happens to them? I mean, educated or ignorant when something happens, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a starker shayla. And here's another caller. Hi, Rabbi David. I am a 20-year-old bacher, and I live in a Hasidic community in the tri-state area. I listen to your podcast weekly, and a while ago, I listened to one of your old episodes about molestation. On that episode, you read the message of a listener, which said that you shouldn't talk about these things on your podcast, because a lot of Bahrain listen to it, and how could you take the responsibility of Bahrain being exposed to this type of content? Unfortunately, when I was younger, I was molested for two years by a hush of a person in my community that was very, very close to my family, and I used to sleep over at his house when my yeshiva did not have a dorm. I want you to know that you had a big part in my coming forth. I remember I used to listen to your podcasts before I told my family, and I used to search for the topic of molestation. It felt like, you know, maybe there are people that are actually going to believe me, and it gave me chizuk and eventually played a big role in me telling my family about what had happened. And I still kept on listening to you and your guests, and it continues to give me a tremendous amount of chizuk. Baruch Hashem, everyone around me believed me, and I got the help that I needed right away, and I am doing perfectly fine, Baruch Hashem. So I want to ask you one favor. Please, please talk on your podcast about this issue. Everyone should know what good you do. And please, please thank all the guests that you bring up that they should see what comes out of their speeches and their talks and their appearances and how much good it does for people. 
Thank you so, so, so much. What is he saying? He's saying because he was, he heard it here in the program and he found out that he was right and they were wrong. You know, a lot of young people, an 18 year old, a 16 year old, they molested Rahman al-Atzlan, right? Look, the older person must be right and they're wrong. Maybe they, 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 they caused the other person to do it. Maybe their behavior precipitated it. You, you wouldn't believe what young people, you know, do you know that kids who, parents who get divorced, the kids in the family very often think that they're the ones who caused it. That's a child, how a child. So he says, you told me that I was molested and, and, I, and, and it helped me tremendously and I found a support group, right? He was educated. He said over last, Yakizaina Yasa Chiseinu. So we asked the Shaila, Hakizaina Yasa, Yasa's on, on, on the future. It should say, Kizaina Asu Achis. They made our sister into a Zaina, and that's why we killed, that's why we killed them all. But Kizaina Yasa, and we touch Kizaina Yasa, is if Rahmanul Tzvan, a girl or a child is molested. And we, and we, 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 we don't say anything, and Fakar, we continue to be Mechabed the molester. You know what we're saying? We're saying to the girl, you're a Zaina. But by, by validating the, the Oisei were in effect telling the, the victim that they, the carbon, that they are, that Kizayna Yasa, should we with our silence turn our sister in the future into a Zayna? Chas v'shalom. By attacking the perpetrator, we are saying you're not. If we don't, if we acquiesce, we are at that point in the future turning her into a Zayna. So that's, so that's what this boy is saying. You helped us out. So I'm not gonna, this is not a PSAC program. I'm just, Pointing out both sides, you heard both voicemails, and I let Oilam. That's the debate: educated or ignorant. Now, here's another interesting voicemail we got from a young man. I'm to bring up a topic that you're speaking about recently. I think after the week you're bringing up if the gays they could control, if they can't control, if it's someone's problem, it's not a problem. I think all of this is not really so relevant because the nice of these people are around. And unfortunately, you know, everything comes into the, the quote-unquote charitas later and later. But, you know, unfortunately, we see what's going on in the, on the sidelines of the of the film Tzibur and the, the more modern Tzibur, and they already have groups of them, they already recognize them, and it's terrible when they it's a matter of time, so it comes with our shuls and yeshiva sechman oslan, are we going to have to deal with it? So I'm saying, somebody like you, you know, who Baruch Shem pours millions into the initiatives of yeshiva's addiction, I think it would be a good idea, you know, if I'm saying we could try to put together a therapy and, and talk, talk to your people from it. I'm saying say there's no cure. I'm saying, you know, COVID-19, there's no cure. And when you give somebody a few hundred million dollars, they find the cure. They works on a lot of vaccines, all sorts of medications, and people work some are getting over it because, you know, there's money and there's, you bring professionals together, they do it. So I think you, David, you know, have a big space in the Tzibur, you could get together and, you know, if the modern orthodox think that really they're not a, really they're against it. It's just these people can't control it. So let's see them paying millions of dollars to get people to stop. You know, put together a a sort of therapy that'll switch people. I'm saying you know therapies could do anything today. You know they're willing to do surgeries to switch somebody's gender. So you know they'll do a therapy and you know tackle one that really works. Yeah, maybe the ones on the market aren't so good. But put together, I hope you're double. I think you should bring it up one of these weeks. Why isn't there initiative in the front keeper to put together hundreds of millions like Rabbi Glock was saying? Asking, he was saying, we're always the first. So in this, instead of fighting it, which you know we're not going to win because we see it's taking over the whole world, it's like internet, it's very, very hard. You'll be able to salvage 5% of the fever, the rest of the slime might go down. Why don't we put together an initiative to try to save it? Yeah. Also. 
So this, 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 this younger man believes that we could have a vaccine to prevent people from becoming gay. Now, what I know about vaccines, and I studied it quite a bit over the COVID, you know, we, we got into vaccines are for infections. So it would seem that this young man seems to be saying that being gay is an infection, which he's coming to say to try to be pile something good. There should be a vaccine. The, the, you know, you have a cool asu with a chumra. In effect, you're saying that you could, you know, you could eat the wrong food or you could go to the wrong place, to the wrong mikvah and get infected and become gay, which I find to be honestly very frightening, right? It's like you caught a cold and you caught a gay. But to my knowledge, I have never heard anybody say that being gay is, is, is an infection or caused by an infection. So we have many listeners. If anybody disagrees with me or they have a rye if I care please feel free and uh, if you have a valid rye we will absolutely uh, put it on the ear but to me it, it sounds like a, th- the, his solution is more frightening than it is uh, than it is uh, than it is palliative okay I'm, I want to stella around the Parsha another interesting Shiloh you know we've in the past we've spoken about Zionism pro for etc and I don't mean Zionism the Amalek Zionist to a Kaifram I'm saying today the concept of protecting Eretz Yisrael that's what I I don't mean Amalek you know where it was about Das I'm talking about just simple you know should should we have boys in the army you know assuming you could do it in a way that has Shalom they don't you know Nichshol V'chulu like an so we've had these discussions and we've had on very Erlicha people from Satma and from, you know, other parts of the Haredi community. And what do they say? And we could play it, but they've always said the, the Mahalach of Klal Yisrael through Golis has always been with Shtadlanis, with appeasement. We never, we didn't pick up guns. And what does it say in this week's Parsha in the Medrash? Look at the interesting Medrash. Talks about the story of eight with Yaakov. We sent it, you know, Koyam Ravdacha Yaakov. Rabbeinu, that's Rabbi Huda Nasi, Amal Rav Afes. He said to Rav Afes, Ksoiv Chad Igra Minshmi, write a letter for me, Lemoron Malko Antoninus, the Caesar Raimi, the Caesar of Rome. Imagine that, very powerful person. Come, Rav Afes wrote, Min Yehuda Nasiyah, from Yehuda the Dasi, Lemoron, he gave him a title, Malko Antoninus. Rabbeinu took up the Igeris and he tore it up. Amalek, so that's right differently. Min Avdecha Yehuda, from your slave Yehuda, your servant, Lamoron Malka Antoninus. So Ravafa said, why are you, why are you calling yourself an Eved? Amalek, an Eved ain't loichayis, an Eved you don't sit shiva for, right? Eved is potem from all mitzvahs, asay, right? It's a, it's a bizarre, shaloya sani Eved. Say every day. Why are you doing this? I'm better than my grandfather. They have a beferish chazal in this week's parsha, like the satmar shita, like the brisk shita to a certain extent of shtadlonis. You go humbly. Another medrash right afterwards. Amar Rabbi Yenison. Call me sheroitza leratzais melech oishultain veeni yadei adarkam v'tachsisam. You don't know the derech. Yaniach parsha zu lefanav. He should read this. Put this parsha in front of him. V'yilma tachsisam. Piusim Veritsuyim. The Farish uh, Medrash, like Rabbi Shapiro from, uh, he has websites, we tried to get him on a few times, and he told me he will only come on if it's not a debate. He says if he could say his Piskim and it's Halachalam Aishimi Sinai and Wakabal, you know, Kablu Daiti, he'll come, but if there's a debate, he doesn't want, right? He, 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 he can't debate. But we have two Medrashim very clearly, like, uh, like Koyamarav de Chayakov. And by the way, the Sipurnu here in the Parsha goes on the same derech. The Sipurnu says, he brings the Gemara in Tainus and Davchaf. It says, when it says, Achya Shiloini, called Klal Yisrael, Konebiyam, a reed. And he says, the derech of Klal Yisrael is like a Konebiyam. You know, Loilam Yadam Rachya Kana. What does the Medrash say? No matter how many winds blow, Kola Ruach Shab they can't 
rip out a kana. It just moves. It's hard. It's like slippery, right? So he says, not like the baryonim in the time of Rabbi Yechonim ben Zakkai that caused the churban. Rabbi Shapiro, the Satmar Shita, part of the Briska Shita. Very interesting, right? Mitzat Sheni. Let's go the other way. What do we have another Chazal? Let me read another Chazal right here. When Yaakov called Esav, my master, Hashem said, You lowered yourself? You called him your master? Eight times? On my Alashin Shvua, my life, Hashem said. And he mamed me bonav shmoina malachim. I'm gonna, from his children, eight kings, kaidim lebanecha, shenema ve'elaha malachim ashemolchu. You bow down? Why did you bow down? What does Chazal say? Ha'oisa atzmoise, if you make yourself a sheep, hazev oichlai, the wolf will devour you. And what is Rabbi Yehuda ben Shimon? He, he brings the Pasik. Again, he says, What does he say? The Medrash say? You taught him that you are a servant. In other words, again, criticizing him. Uh, why did you, why did you uh, bow down to? So we have a, in Chazal two very different opinions. Rabbi Yehuda says, And he said, uh, Why did you bow down? You said, Adoni ate Pamim? It would seem, do you, are you mashbul? Do you go with the mahalach of Ritsuy and Pius, like to see Purnu and the Medrashim say? What do you say? Why did you call him Adoni? Stand up! Show some spine. That's the, the right? It would seem that this is the machlaikis. Now, I would say, perhaps, that the two start them are not really arguing. If you're Medayik in the Lushan, Amrab Yainasan, call me Sharaitza Laratzeis Melech, you want to appease him, I shiltain. Learn the derech tachsise piusim rituim. I mean, you see here in the parsha, it says he was he prepared himself for a dairein, tfila and mochama or, or mochama. So he also prepared for mochama. So I would say that clearly, if you know rituim and pisuim are not going to help. You have to go with Mohammed. It's always good to start out with Ritsuy and Pius. So the Machlaik is what was the appropriate way to approach Asav? In other words, knowing who Asav was, how dangerous was Asav? Should he gone with Mohammed? Should he gone with, with Pius? But it seems that I would say that everybody agrees that Bamakim, that Pius does not help, that Mohammed does help. It's sad that he, sh- it's sad that Pius over here worked was because that they say, why did you? Because Pius would work, but if you knew Pius, it wasn't wouldn't work. Clearly, now I say that in the case of Eretz Yisrael today, you know, many Israeli per- premiers have said, if we lay down our guns, right, we'd be pushed into the sea. They, there would be a, a, another Holocaust in Eretz Yisrael. So originally, I thought that the Machleik is: do we take the gun? Do we go with Shtadlanis? Is the tube shot them here? But I see, even on the Tzad that you go with Pius, they still admit that. He, he did prepare himself for Muhammad in case Pius doesn't work. So Pius, maybe they believe, is the first way to start, right? But certainly, where Pius doesn't work, everybody would agree that Muhammad is the way to go. But I'm showing you how this ancient, in, in Chazal, there's a Machleikis that would certainly seem to reflect on some of the opinions, the Machleikis that we're having, Bismanenu. That was, uh, like, I stole that, but my holy Eilam over here agree or disagree. I, I gave you the Mara Makaimis.
Before we go to our riddles, I would like to say a few things. First of all, we get our system does not pick up for the most part anonymous calls. We have a program. So if you want to be played or you want to be heard and you have a block on your line, take the anonymous off or the system just kicks it out. It rejects it. And I know like this week it, it had, there were 71 calls that it just didn't take us. They were anonymous. I ask you if you want to be heard and you want to be put online, make sure it's not anonymous. And that's simple. Your vote of mine. Look, I have my name on it. I'm out there. I'm not embarrassed, right? I believe, you know, the Gemara says, he never said a thing. He never had to turn around when he says, if you believe in something, you should be able to put your name on it. Or if not your name, at least your phone number. That's one thing. At the end of the program, we will have the riddles and we will play the answers from listeners that we believe were the best answers to our riddles. So here are our riddles of the week. So here's a riddle that I have not seen, and I would wish somebody would give me an answer to it, because I don't have one. What happened? In our psukim, what does it say? Yaakov Avinu was mispal, katointi mikala chasadim mikala emes, he was mispal. He was davin t'ashem, alekei avi Avram, alekei avi Yitzchak, Hashem oimer elai, please, katointi, hatzileni na. Save me. And what does it say he did afterwards? And then he prepared a gift. Whole big gift. First he davened, and then afterwards he gave the gift. First you misspell, right? First you start with tefillah. Okay, here's the, my riddle is. Now let's go to Miketz. The Mishnah Lamelech, Yosef at that time, they don't know who he is, imprisons Shimon, right? And he says, I'm not letting him out and don't come back unless you bring Binyamin uh, with you. So Yaakov doesn't know what to do. He finally, the hunger is so bad over there. So what does he do? This is what you should do. Take a gift. Present. Sorry. Money and good, right? And then afterwards, and then he was mispal. What does Rashi say? I did all the hishtadlas I could. We did everything we could possibly do. I I did everything humanly possible. Same person. In our parsha Yishlach. First he davens, first he davens, and then he does his ishtadlus. Here, in Miketz, exact opposite. He says, use all your human effort, try so hard, go to your job, you're not matzliya, you're not making enough. Then you daven, you say, Rabbi Nishom, send the bracha to my Maisiyadayim. First, what does he do here? Do everything you can. I finished everything Rashi says. You finished now. Now, v'kel shakayitin l'chem rachman. Now let's daven. There he does the tefillah first, hishtadlis afterwards, the gift afterwards. Here he does the davening first and the gift there. I'm sorry, first the gift and afterwards the davening. What are you supposed to do? Shtadlan is first and tefillah later or tefillah first and shtadlan is later. That's my riddle, sort of a stira in the uh, in what Yaakov Avinu did. That's our first riddle. And here is a second riddle. So the, two, two, two questions on this. One is, Yerushalmi says, Tani Reb Shimon ben Gamil, very famous Yerushalmi, in oisin nefashais, which means matzevais v'tzadikim, defreim heim zechreinim. Right? The Raman Paskins like this in Perek Dalad, Melchus Avla Lacha Dalad, Metzayinin esakfaris uboinin nefesh ala kever, v'hatzadikim, the Lashon Rambam is, ein boinin lo em nefesh al kever seyem. 
right? You don't put a matzeva, you just put a stone there, but nothing writing. So I don't understand. By Yaakov Avinu, certainly, it says, Sadikim, Enoisalem, Matzevais, Devreim Heim Zechreinim, or by Yaakov here was Boina Lerachel, Matzeva Al Kivra. I Enoisin Nefashis for Sadikim. That's, 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 a powerful horror. I would add on to this two Muharas. The Rambam who writes this, they made a huge oil on the Rambam's keva. And by every tzaddik today, you see a uh, 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 oil and this. What happened to this Maim Chazal? A nice in the fashis, what tzaddikim? A, I'm asking from Rachel. B, I'm asking from all the tzaddikim of today. Another kasha on this, by the way, is the Gemara Moed Katan on the face says, How do you know that you're supposed to make a stone? What do you mean? It says over here, So this is a good riddle because everybody goes to Keva Rachel. Why are you going to Keva Rachel? You could puzzle about these riddles about Keva Rachel and the Matseva. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, that's the country code, 33-011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's uh, 02-372-0304. Let's go to our guests. Joining us from Flatbush is Rabbi Yitzchak Finger. He's the renowned Rav of BJX. BJX, which stands for the Brooklyn Jewish Experience, is an outreach organization that reaches out to public high schools, Midwood, Madison. He also does outreach to the colleges and the young professionals of basically the Chuva movement of Brooklyn. He's very experienced with the, in this field. He had Paskins all their shilas. He's a Talmud of Tarvadas, of Rav Pam, Rav Kano, Rav Dolsky, Zuchar, and Lavracha. He's also a Talmud of Bismedrish Gavaya. My old alma mater. Welcome, Rabbi Yitzchak. Oh, thank you, Rabbi David. I appreciate the honor. Question. Hashkafa question before we go to Halacha. Should, should a family be inviting guests to Kirov for your Shabbos Suda because it could come at the ch- expense of your children's Shabbos experience? But it's very often, you know, the type of Zmiris, the conversation, etc., is going to be very different when you have four public school boys or college boys who know nothing, and your kids who go to yeshivas are going to be standing there, for the most part, excluded out of the conversation. And the question is, should you or shouldn't we be doing that as a community? That's an excellent question. So as a matter of fact, at BGX, we have a whole network of Balabatim who host our Talmidim and Talmidos, many of them experiencing the first Shabbos in their lives. And uh, we got this question quite regularly of whether or not it's a sacrifice to their families, to their wives and children by entertaining and engaging with their guests. So I'd like to lay out the groundwork and just say in general terms, one's wife and children should never come at the expense of Chesed or Kirov. Our number one priority must be to raise wholesome and healthy, happy children, and really to build emotional bonds between parents and children. A family, a home should be an oasis that really blocks all the negative influences from the street. And parents and children need healthy, intimate time to spend with each other, especially in our very frenzied and hectic lifestyle. So with all that said, however, I believe that there's a definite enhancement and deepens our connection to Hashem when we have guests 
they come with an enthusiasm, they come with a zeal, they come with fresh eyes. And many people have told me that it made their Yiddishkeit so much more real because we go through, we that are FFB, raised from, born into from yeshiva homes particularly, it's a lot of rote and habits. It almost becomes mechanical, which is a tremendous detriment to our Vodas Hashem, to our Ruchnius. We have guests that are coming in and they've never experienced it before. There's this gusto, there's this fervor, there's this excitement and energy that really becomes something that we look forward to. And I got to tell you, there, I had a, a very prominent Balabas who told me that he never understood why he's making Abdullah until his guest asked him, what's this about? And he had to research it and he had to share it and communicate it and convey it. And now he has an enhanced Shabbos experience that he never imagined before. So as long as it's not to the detriment of the dynamic of the family, if you have a Balabas who's always traveling and the only time that he's home is Shabbos and it's only his, his only opportunity to really bond with his wife and children, okay, perhaps that's an exception. But otherwise, we have a mandate as B'nai Avram Avinu that we have to entertain guests. They say that, the statisticians say that it could be nine out of 10 American Jews are assimilating before our eyes. But the Jewish people are hemorrhaging. They say in Brooklyn per capita, we have more assimilated lost Jews than anywhere else in the Western Hemisphere. So it's our Christ. These are our brothers and sisters. If we're not going to take care of them, who will? I mean, on the other hand, you know, it does take time away from our children at the table. You know, I guess it depends also on your children's age, perhaps, no? Absolutely. Well, you have to, that's why I always say you have to have a maradarach. It's very important to have a rav, a maradarach, to turn to and ask, what's triage? How do I balance this? Should I have guests every Shabbos? Should I have guests perhaps once a month? Should I have guests when my children are adolescents, when they're teens? What's the age appropriate? But I think that there's a, I think that there's certainly a model that we could all emulate and aspire to where you know how to properly balance you know, the children versus the guests. For example, I always insist that my children sit next to me as much as the guests want more attention and they really yearn to sit next to me. I say, my children come first. My children have to sit with me. I'm not going to get entrenched and enmeshed with a, you know, in a theological and, you know, scientific conversation about the Big Bang with a guest if my children are present and it's going to deviate, you know, from there and really distract from their needs. So, you know, I'll make sure to do the partial questions with my children and to maintain an ambiance that really is conducive for everyone present. But that, that is a tzarek gadol without a question. Absolutely. Just a very important to clarify that not to be a tzaddik on Yenem plates, on your children's plates. If you have teenage boys, I beg you, do not invite teenage girls. And the converse, if you have teenage girls, don't invite teenage boys. You have to be judicious and you have to use insight and seichel uh, hayosher when engaging even in a mitzvah. My father, the Colonel of Rachel, once told me a story. He said there was a rav in a city who got sick in the olden days, and they called the whole town to the city, and they made a, an offer, they made like an adava for the rav. So who wants to give hours of their life for the rav? So one guy said, I'll give two hours. One guy says, I'll give three days. This Kavrusa said, I'm going to give a month. And one guy gets up and he says, I'm giving ten years. And you look at him, ten years? He said, no, no, don't worry. I'm not giving mine. I'm giving my wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> doing mitzvahs at the expense of others. Right. So let Most, me ask yeah, you another question. Awesome. Now, let me, yeah. this is, we get a lot of this question, so it's a little bit of a twist. You're in Kirov, and you're in with somebody, and they say, Rabbi, please come over to our house today for Kiddush. And you have no idea what the Akashra standards are. You don't know. So you have one, you know, you have the good half. You, you don't know what you're eating. So, and, and they're going to be insulted if you say no. Are you allowed to eat at the house or not? 
That's another excellent question. So as a uh, as a general rule, as a rov, I have a low plug that I do not eat out in people's homes. This way, I don't offend anybody. Okay, but let's say you don't have that rule and you you eat out by balabakim, but this is somebody you just don't. You're not sure exactly. You don't eat kosher. There's a well. Assuming that those are share of kosher, but you don't know if they're eating a hechsher that you would necessarily eat. How do you, how would you deal with it? Those are so I think in the very should you, you, know, should you eat out? Should you did it, would eat out? And they're going to be insulted. So so often it's an opportunity to really foster and kindle uh, greater relations. And um, I think in a very sensitive and diplomatic fashion, one could express that he or she has standards. Would love to come. Would love to enjoy together. But that if the host could please accommodate and uh, meet up to those uh, standards without being overly, you know, in any way obnoxious. It's after davening, and they want you to come over. They're making a kiddish. They, his wife just got a, they just had a baby. Rabbi, come over, please, Rabbi Singera. Please come over to our house. So, I, you know, water does, water does not need a hefshire. You could drink and make a chayim on water. There are certain, there are plenty of things that are okay that come from packaged, you know, that uh, packaged goods that come with a reliable hechsher. I think that a you, smart rub will know. You wouldn't eat. Bottom line, no. you wouldn't eat. No. I think there's a certain expectation. You set no, the bar so high. Here's, so here's the debate. Here's, here's how I see the debate. says that um, if somebody's mocked on Pasi Stroll and he's invited to eat by somebody who doesn't have Pasi Stroll, right? So he's allowed to yeah. eat in the yeah. house, because otherwise it would create sort of a machlekes, it creates bad blood, etc. But but that's where, in other words, it seems to be it's, it's a chumrah. You know what I mean? It's not in Pasi Stroll, it's in Pasi is in trace, right? It's a chumrah. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. but here it's talking about, so I guess there would be a question of, are those hechsherim something that you would eat to be it or not? No? Like Perhaps. You I mean, you have, the Ramah, you have the Ramah that speaks about Chadosh, and, you know, if a person's machmir and machmir and machmir on Chadosh, and he holds that to Kalim, there's no problem with Blius. You could eat from the person's Kalim. You know, there are many postkins that speak about Kitneus, about a, uh, an Ashkenazi eating at a Sephardic Jew's house, and that uh, Kitneus also, there's no Blius. You don't have to worry about the Kalim. You have, you know, the Ritvaz who speaks about a case of a Shaykhet who is viewed as, let's say, subpar by many, and uh, you want to eat in someone's house who does rely upon that Shaykhet. Again, he says, you don't have to worry about the Kalim. So the Rishar Mahram do certainly, you know, speak about such situations. And then you have the ultimate Shaila, which is very common and conventional today because you have so many communities that uh, Ashkenazim and Sephardim are living together. So let's say a Sephardic Jew that is Mahmir on Beis Yosef meat, and does he allow to eat at the home of an Ashkenazi Jew? It may even be his relative, it may be his mother-in-law, father-in-law, maybe his brother-in-law, sister-in-law, it may be, you know, a cousin, or maybe, you know, invited out to a restaurant where they're not Mahmir on Beis Yosef. And uh, there you have a chuva from Revavad Yosef, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's in Yechavadas, where he says that it's perfectly okay for a Sephardic Jew that generally speaking is stringent about uh, base Yosef meat to eat at such an establishment or in such a home because it's fake fake. He says that perhaps the meat is chalak, maybe it is totally smooth and there are no rerim, there are no adhesions. And even if not, maybe we do possibly like the Rama that uh, doesn't have to be exactly smooth. Right? There are ex- certain exceptions in the halachas of Trefus. So he, therefore he says it's okay. But perhaps even a more common shal would be the shal about Bishal Yisrael and Bishalakum, right? So there's a big machlaikas between the Mechav and the Ramah in regards to eating food that 
was the, the even if the fire was turned on by a Jew, but if the pot wasn't put on the stove by a Jew, but it was put on by an Achri, then in that case, the Mechaber says it's Bishal Akum. The Ramah says it's Bishal Yisrael. So what do you do when a Sephardic Jew is invited then to an Ashkenazi's home? Should there be World War Three, especially if they're re- relatives? And this happens very, very often. You get these Shilas. And again, Rav Avadi... What, what do they do in such a case where, let's say, the case of Bishalakam, what does what Ravadia say? So Ravadia, I think this is in Yabi Omer, if I'm not mistaken, the, the Ravadia says in such a case that again you have a fake speaker because, first of all, uh, me, maybe we possibly. Well, I would just yeah. guess. I would, but my fake speaker would be is maybe the halacha is like the Ramah, and even if the right. halacha is like the like the, the thing, it could be that there's also a sad that a Mishkaris who lives in the house is oh. all, has a din of Bishal Yisrael too. So you'd have a fake speaker to be make over there too. Right, so you have the rivid that holds it in a domestic, in other words, in a Jewish home, there is no Bishal Akum. Right, but then the Rajba holds that it's a Mishares, if it's a maid, then there's no conviviality and socialization happening. Right. She's a domestic, you know, worker, so there is what to rely upon. She's not a ring, she's not a ring, that's a sad. Right. Again, you have a sex maker. Exactly. But, you know, my Rebbe Rav Pamzatzal, I'm sorry, yeah. The, the, the din of sex faker is usually where you can't be mavar. Would there yeah. be any chiv to be mavar and say, excuse me, did your maid do the cooking? Or do you do the cooking? Did your maid put it on the fire? Or did you put it on the fire? Would there be such a chiv or that? Right. So, so the, chiddush, the chiddush of this psak is that there's no chiv. And it, it really is almost counterintuitive to the klolem of sex faker, but that's the chiddush. Yeah, and I, I asked, I asked a, a very big paisik. I said that the halacha is, is that you don't have to be chayshish of blias. You have to be chayshish of blias that maybe that person um, who you're eating by, even if he says, you know, Rabbi, for you I'm going to use special pots. So for you I'm going to be mocked like Ashkenazi. So mm. you, you have to be chayshish for blias that maybe in that pot, the, the, the day before or that day in the morning, they cooked something that clearly would be problematic. And the Pisces said, Sam Kalamein B'nai I said, but... Yeah. Yeshua says, "Am kelemim b'neyayimin is after by an akum by Yisrael with the Yeshua." So you have to ask, and the Yeshua says that the din. So this Pisces told me that the din that you have to be mavar is only not if you can embarrass somebody. If you can embarrass somebody, there's no din that you have to be mavar, which is very similar to what the the, the plaque that you're saying over from the Abi Aimer, Lagadei Right. Right. You know, you know, they say the Kayakta So just to put a little of a different spin on it, it's easy to alienate and ostracize people, but it's much harder to to build bridges and to have Avas Israel and Avas Chinam. My Rebbe of Pamzatzal, his clarion call and his mission statement was that the Torah is supposed to be something that facilitates and that really that fosters more love between people. And I think that, you know, especially in the world of Balichuva, where they may be going home to parents that their views are antithetical, and they could be very stark, these Talmudim, and say, what are you doing? Instead, to think about ways, Adarabah, to cultivate more love and to have greater bonds together. I think that's very, very important. It's like Reb Chaim says, they used to say, he's Mechel and Hulcha Shabbat. He said, I'm not being Mechel and Hulcha Shabbat. I'm Machmir and Chaibah. Machmir, right, Machmir, right, so, right. So, Beautiful, so, yeah. So let me go back then to our question. You have a, a constituent, or you have a Talmud, who invites you, and in a way where it's going to be obvious if you're not eating. Would you say, I'm allowed to eat because I have a sex faker, the stomach, the... Uh, you know, the, the food is kasha. 
right? They probably they probably use OU, and even if they're not using OU, they are using one of the inferior serum. Maybe that has serious consequences. Would you use that to be famous to lead or not? So I, I don't feel comfortable. You know, Chacham Enoberosho, we have to have foreknowledge and we have to make proper boundaries. I think it's very important so because unless you start compromising... My job is not to let the questioner get away. I'm sorry, that's why I get paid the big bucks here. Let's say it's La'achra so you weren't given that opportunity, and now you're sitting by the table, a piece of kugel is sitting on your plate, while a buster is looking at you expectantly. You have no idea, or whatever the case is, the challenge. do you or don't you eat the challenge? Listen, okay, so, people have a cheskas kashers. You know, whether they are ultra-Orthodox, mono-Orthodox, or somewhere else in the middle, most, if people have a cheskas kashers, and I don't think, I you know... If, but, I, but I would just ask the question like this, then. They have a cheskas kashers, but they're also amarats and gemurim very often. Right. So they're so, going to buy right, something so what I, with a hefsa. Absolutely. And to them, they okay. don't know the difference between this hefsa or that hefsa. Yeah. Like, like a friar yeah. person once told me, he said, I, it was something that I wouldn't eat. He says, just ask a rabbi to bless it. <laughs> I had a student that thought that what makes a cow kosher is it has to be circumcised. <laughs> really? Really? No, uh, yeah. I had another guy who said, this food, he said, this chont is geschmack, it's gewaldig, it's gehenim. You know, he was learning the sprach, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but the situations that do happen in real life, if you're a chabad chassid, Anybody who's dealing, you're invited to somebody's house. They give you something, and they're convinced that it's holy and you're holy, and you just don't know exactly what the heck sure is. Are you, are you not allowed to eat it? Listen, that's why we have dieting. You can always say you're on a diet. That's it. But I tell you, I no, asked Herschel Shem to the Shaila, and he told me, he said, it depends. He says, if the, hechshir, if it's, if the other side of the suffix is that it's a heksha that you think it's not, that according to you, you would not eat it. Like he says, the hechshire is such that he said, I would not eat the hechshire. He does. He doesn't see that as a spec So He says, if the other hechshire that they would use is something that I would eat, but I would eat it with the evid, it's cautious. He says, then I would, then I would eat the food. That's, that's how he, that's how he weighed it out. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, when a Balabas calls me and he says, he's traveling out of town and he wants to know if he could accept a Shabbos invitation from someone that is extending invitation out of town, I always say, call the local Rav and ask Miva Miaholchim. Ask, is this person, does this person have a Cheskas Kashrus? Yeah, no, that's, that's a, uh, by the way, and, and, and we sort of, the Mishnah sort of talks about, when he talks about, when you go to a mockery that the minig is more hummer than you are, minig by Kalis and Mishnabur and Tafhamachalas, he says, you're allowed to, if you go to a place that's makel, right? He says, you're allowed to do it, mitayamach like it. But he says, here's his washing. If it daskim hazavah hazeh, ain't it us from the ikaradzin, and lashinogul iser. Avodavrish you oser mitayadzin, asilu isid rabbanan, chasti salam lava, is nechshat leva. He says, if it's a hummer, right. Then, then he says, you're absolutely allowed to do it with me on a chlesis. But if it's something that it's, right. you're afraid that there's mamish iser over here, then it, then it would be, so, was, so, so, so it's interesting, the, the, the Ramah in, in Hilchus in Machalei Akram says, Misha Nizer Mipashal Akram, he says, you're allowed to eat it, Mishumeva. I guess he held that right. that's sort of not Isagamra, it's a Chumra. It's very interesting, no? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, you know, being Mavayish, somebody, Barabim is a Daraisa. And, uh, you know, a person has to be very careful. Yes. I'll tell you a story. My, my, my great uncle was the Rav of, of Saria. And while he was Rav, uh, he was, uh, he, uh, 
the Rosh Hashanah. And when he was the mm-hmm. Rosh Hashanah, one week he used to go through the Erev, and one week there was this, the the, the Sharav would do the Erev of the city. Somebody came running into him and he said, you know, the Erev is possible. And he showed him that there's a halacha that he, the Sardi Rav missed a certain halacha, that they had moved something and he did it wrong. What should they do? Mm-hmm. But he said, being the Vaza particularly here, any person, but a Talmud Chacham is an Issa Daraisa. You know, there was no, it's not a Rosh Hashanah, and he said, don't be my dear Oilam. And then he said that wow. week, I heard this from my father, he said, later in the week, he went over to the, uh, to the Spire of the Rav, and he said, I'm learning the Gemara, maybe you can help me out. And they learned the Gemara in the middle of Adam's Holmes, he said, oh, I made a mistake in the Erev. So he wouldn't tell him that he made a mistake, look at the Migas here. And as well as that, he told the whole Olam that he shouldn't do anything because you're not allowed to be in the Baza of Talmud Chacham. Not being Baza any person, it's only a Talmud Chacham. That's good, But they say that Briskorov convened a meeting about the town Shoichet, and unbeknownst to him, who was informed about the meeting of the town Shoichet, he shows up, and the Briskorov refused to comment anything about the Shrita. So all the Balabatim, or the Rabbanim that were present, they said, what happened? He says, listen, his shechita, Mikra Adin, is okay. We're not so satisfied with it. He says, the neighbors of the Rabbanim, he's about to be Vaza him Barabim, that's a Daraisa. And therefore he let it yeah. go. Unbelievable. So here's the question. What type of a cheskes kashrus does a person need to eat by? You're a bachar in yeshiva. Well, you're, you're mm-hmm. traveling, and somebody you don't know, in shul, happening, somebody comes over to you in shul, and he invites you, and you don't know what to do. He, he, he looks like a, a fine fellow. You have no idea. What, what constitutes a cheskis fascist? No, uh, so you have to hope that there are no imposters walking around, Christian missionaries. <laughs> you know, today we hear all these hair-raising stories. But you're, you're davening in shul that's more forward, Akasha, you know, that I am. I don't want to have to name a show. It's not the, you know, it's not in DMG. It's someplace out in the, in the boondocks, and you know, in one of these cities, a nice-looking fellow comes over. He's davening in the show. He invites you over. You're traveling. You're on a seat program. And the rub's not there. Can you eat by the fellow or not? What is it defined? Like, how would you define what is the cheskes kashrus in such a situation? Listen, if somebody is reputed to be a shomer Torah mitzvah, he has a cheskes kashrus. You see, you see him in show. You have no idea what he's reputed. Depends how hungry you are. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. Listen, listen, it's a tough one, you know, but, yeah. What, what, what is a cheskes kashrus? How would you define that he's a minion? Again, 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 listen, now, the whole hashkacha industry is a novelty. It's innovation, right? It used to be. They had an eidach and number bisur, and you didn't need hashkacha. The guy looks like an erlach then we presume he has a presumption of innocence and shine. That's it, you know? Um okay. You know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, we hear about all these scandals, and, and you know, a lot of people are traumatized by the scandals, and therefore we get suspicious, we get skeptical, but uh, that's not the way it was meant to be. Okay, good, good. Okay, listen, yeah, a tremendous respect to you. An honor to have you on with us. Thank you, thank you. Continue. Hatzlach and bracha and all your great endeavors. Thank you very much. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Joining us from New Jersey is Rabbi Mordechai Becher. He was for many, many years a Rashiva and a Rav in our Sameach, in the Bay of Shalayim, speaker for gateways. He's certainly, Kiruv is certainly his expertise, dealing with secular, certainly his expertise. Welcome, Rabbi Mordechai. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. So, just a question to start. Many people work with these, with the this general rubric that the definition of an Orthodox Jew is Kashrus, Shabbos, Taras HaMeshpacha. Is there any makar for that? 
the, the point is, what, what do you mean by a, an orthodox? Is, is there any makor for even defining someone? In other words, we have halachic categories like um, mumer, uh, min, um, apikoros, and so on and so forth, people who have outside the pale. Um, uh, in terms of we've got such a thing as cheskas kastros, um, an assumption that someone's a, a, a good Jew, um, I don't know if we have a definition per se a kind of, of, of this guy is a from guy. Yes. I, the key know. definition where it's used this is most is in Geras, that yes. if a Geras, Makabal, Shabbos, Kashros, Tarasamish, Bacha, even if the rest of the mitzvahs they don't know yet or they were, you know, they're sort of shaky on, that's enough to be Megayar. It's according to Achiezer and many other Paiskim. And they've, they seize those three as Zehu Yehudi. You know, this is a Shimer Taira. And I'm just, they didn't bring a Makayar for it. I was curious if Makayar existed. I'm not that I'm, I don't know, not that I'm aware of. It'll be a little bit relevant later in the conversation, maybe. So okay. let me ask you a question. So you're invited over to a, uh, uh, you're trying to be Makar of somebody. He invites you over to the house for dinner. And you look at him and you say, you know, we have, I have a high standard of, of, of kashras. He says, Rabbi, my wife went out. She bought everything. The highest standard of kashras, right? Um, now, you, you, you believe him. This is a person, he's very sincere. The question is, can you eat in his house? Do you say that the bleas, maybe of other food that he had, um, are, are, weren't from necessarily this standard? Right. Are, are you allowed to eat in his house or not? How, do you, how, do we deal, how would you deal with bleas? That's my question. Well, I don't think it's just an issue of bleas. I think there's two major issues here. Issue number one is, even, let, let's, you said I believe him, but, 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 but one issue would be Naamonis. Right? If he is not Shlomit Torah Mitzvah, um, or he doesn't keep kosher, it's questionable whether you'd say, Eid Echad Naamon in here, and whether I could trust him. So one issue is the trust, right? Um, now, there is a, there's an Igris Moshe who says, if you know someone intimately, and, and you could be made that he would never lie to you whatsoever, then in a Shasat Chak, can be so much. I don't know if this is a shas of Chak, and I'm not so sure if I know the guy so intimately that I could be made that he would never lie to me, as in the case that Ramosh is talking about with a relative, it's a close relative. So that's number one, issue number one. Issue number two, even if I could trust him, but he is, he doesn't know. In other words, what he thinks is okay may not be okay. What he thinks needs a hechsher uh, or doesn't need a hechsher may need a hechsher. So I can't rely on him, not even if I could totally trust him in terms of Nehemiah, there will be, there's a problem with his knowledge base. His knowledge base is lacking, and hence, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we have a principle, if the person's not aware that it's an issue, then he doesn't think there is an issue. And in this case, I think there's probably a lot of things that he's not aware of, which are issues. So I personally, I don't think that would be appropriate. Uh, then, then. Okay, so then let me, now, let me take it. This is somebody who is, was irreligious, is on his way towards becoming religious. Now, let's say it's a different case. You teach all over. You have somebody who comes from a more, uh, less Shaimur Tyrometz's background, and you know he may, that you would otherwise not use, such as the three we mentioned, would you, would you then say, um, uh, uh, I can eat in his house, or do you have to worry about bleas, etc.? I guess it would depend on the individual, but I, I think in general, I think it, 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 it might be an issue. I think it might be a problem. I mean, look, uh, we do know that, uh, that uh, we can assume that some came in Einam to Einam. right? We also know that there is, in the Shasad Chak, like someone who's traveling, I think so. I remember correctly, it's the Taz who says you can use kalim which are not kosher. Um, so uh, if if it's a question that the person, I don't have a suspicion 
who's going to use something which is trace, and he is uh, someone who does know about customers, there may be one or two things which which have a hefsher that I personally would not always rely upon. Um, I I think that would be less of an issue. Personally, I don't think I would want to eat there, but I don't think it would be osser. I think I might say that would be uh, that would be a case where it'd be a little better off. Now you're right that Stamkel and Ebenezer, there is a pesach tshuva in Simon Kavchaves who says that the hetter of Stamkel and Ebenezer is only by a, a guy, but by Yisrael you would have to ask him. So just ask him, is it Ebenezer or not? And then then the question would be, is well, excuse me, did you use Caleb in the last 24 hours or not? So I don't. I, I grabbed the answer of Herschel Shasta the Shiloh once, and he told me that if you feel that it's going to insult the person you're dealing with, then that has a din of that you can't ask him. It was his psak, which I thought was yeah, very I interesting. Mean, I would say that would be what what, what could be a classic definition of a sasa psak issue. And, and I would say, and I once heard from Reversal Sefta, that, uh, that, that in the same way as financial loss, uh, in many cases, the sasa psak, he says uh, a, a person losing uh, their kesher to Torah mitzvahs or a person not uh, being encouraged in Torah mitzvahs certainly would be considered a shasat chak, uh, I would say, equivalent to traveling uh, at a hotel or something like that. You eat different hechsherim than the other, than the other person. I, I tell you, in my experience, that's not what comes up so much. The things that come up more often are uh, things like how to be, uh, be machiach or not be machiach, how to be machiach, issues of of Shabbos, Lutbengiver, etc., etc. I mean, the, the Kastra stuff... Okay, so, tends to so why don't you tell us some of the common Shilas that you would have in Kirov as a... Some of the more... Give us three or four of the Kirov Shilas that uh, you've worked on or that you come across. Is the... Uh, is, is, is dealing... Is um, dealing with non-from relatives. And, and uh, for example, um, situations like this come up that, uh, I often, you know, this is something comes up uh, that their brother, sister, is getting married to a non-Jew. What do they say to them? Do they say, congratulations, can they say that? I mean, there's an isra. What's the, the, the flip side of hocheach tachiach is loisach nifu. Chanufa is the exact opposite. That's mamash, the mirror opposite of hocheach tachiach. And it's an issue of basically acquiescing to another, and uh, so uh, so that. Yeah. I, I, I'm so, not sure, Mordechai. Could we be magder that? Yeah, sure. I would not say that it's acquiescing to another, but it's it's complementing the person and being mechazik to another. Like it says by Agrippas, right? Achinuata. Achinuata is more than just saying that they like Hanifa is more than acquiescence. Flattery is more than acquiescence, right? Well, well so, flattery is, I think, an indication. Whenever you're indicating in some way that you're okay with it. Well, if you, if you were just silent and shtiki kahidah, I don't think that would be a problem of Hanifa. That's but correct. A, I agree with that. So, so Hanifa is where you're, where you're, going, where you're actually that's flattering. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so when, you're saying, when you're saying congratulations, they know it's disingenuous and you know it's disingenuous. But I, I, think, you're, I think you're touching on just a very interesting point. Somebody, uh, I'll, I'll obviously I'll let you say yours, but somebody yeah. marries out and the parents or the family feels they have two ways they could go. They could cut them off or they could try to still be nice to the child or whoever it may be because they think that with time they'll come back. So now the question is, do I go to the wedding or not? Situation A. Situation B, you're at work, right? You have an uh, associate, you're in a law firm, you have a friend, he's a lawyer, and they from garnished, right? He's marrying out. Do you, are you allowed to go to the wedding or not? Or would you say, to take start with these two situations? So I would say that um, if, 
that I think that in terms of going to the wedding, I think it would depend on who it is. In other words, if it's a family member and there's a strong sporer that you want to keep a connection with them and so that who knows, you may be able to uh, bring them closer to Yiddishkeit, uh, especially if it's a situation where, let's say, it's a Jewish woman marrying a non-Jewish man, which case the children will be will be Jewish, in which case you would like to maintain your connection and friendship uh, with them uh, in the hope that you can bring them back to their heritage, I would say there it might be more important uh, to actually attend than if it's a co-worker. In the case of a co-worker, you have some type of a, some level of relationship, which is not deep, uh, at least usually not, uh, and the, the, the chances of you having uh, influence on that person, uh, again, it's not usually the dumb thing in the workplace to try and influence someone religiously. So if so, I think there will be less reason to allow it in such a situation. Now, there are now, now, no, wait, wait. who are so, very much against going to a customer, even in those circumstances. So I asked, um, um, I have actually, I discussed it once with Rubel Yoshev, and Rabbi Yoshev was against going to the Hasna. Like for example, was he was he was he for halachic purposes or just for Hashem or it just didn't look right to him? What was it? I think he felt he didn't say this, but I I, I think it was an issue of uh, of 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 a, of a tacit um, acquiescence to the uh, to the other. Right? And aside from which, we know that the uh, that there's two components to hachiach to One component is to be attacking the other person. The other component is, uh, as the 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 Alter Rebbe says in the Shulchan Aruch, in Shulchan Aruch Harav, that there's an issue of machor, right, to be moitzi yourself from the avera, right. So, so it's one thing. Sometimes tochacha is not going to work. They're not going to listen seriously. They've already put a deposit on the hall. The band is. There. I mean, they're at the wedding. But, but, but on the other hand, there's also a second issue. And this Rabbi Yossi did mention, which is to be moiche, which is, i.e., that I cannot be uh, standing there when something of such a nature is happening, uh, etc. That would be one issue. The, I, I did speak to others and who, who, who would say that, uh, I think if I remember correctly, I, I spoke to um, Scheinberg about this, but, uh, you know, it's not clear used to be that if someone married a non-Jew, you could not claim they were shogging him. You, you know, it, it would be but highly I, unlikely. That, right? Nowadays, nowadays so the, the majority the majority are shogging him. Exactly. They have no idea that there's something wrong with this. They think that I'm an insane fanatic and that they're normal. And they know that, yeah, Jews stick to themselves, but that's not like... It, you, 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 you tell them that, that it's also... They don't even know the word prohibited is not even in the lang, in, in their dictionary. What, what does that even mean? You know, it's, uh, it's type of an interesting issue. They don't, they, they, they don't relate to that. So, so it could be in such a situation that, 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 that machor may not be an issue. In other words, I don't have to be moicha. What I have to be concerned with primarily is can I bring them close to Yiddishkeit? Can I maintain well, a... Again, I don't think so. I personally, if someone would ask me about going to the wedding, my inclination usually is that they don't go. But you're saying, so it could be a shiloh of acquiescence of Hanufa. Um, it right. could be. It could be, be like saying, Zachinu Atta could be you're saying either through a diva, which would make it very problematic, right? That's why, because of that, because of both, both the issue of Machor and the issue of Hanufa, I would say not to go to the wedding, but I would say to try at all costs to maintain the relationship. Uh, not, not at all costs, but to try to maintain the relationship as much as humanly possible. Now, um, I, would, I, would give, I would, by the way, have another as far as to say why it's Asa. 
Mm-hmm. I, I would say is that when there's a chil shem shamayim, right, the more people that witness it, the greater is the chil, mavur, nuviyim, rishayim, paiskim, and the less amount of uh, 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 desecration, the less amount of people, it's a, it's a smaller chil, right? Yes. There's pahesia, biyachet. So you are really watching what is in effect a chil Hashem that, you know, the, 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 the bris is being, you know, breached, right? Mm-hmm. And you're being there being moises in the chil Hashem. So I don't know if it's an exactly an is or not, but you're certainly contributing to what is in effect a chil Hashem. That, that's a, that's, that's a, a svar also. I, I haven't seen that, but that's what I'm a libi Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I agree with that. Um, so, so that would be at least one one area that that in terms of how. But your point is, is that if parents feel that it's for the good, you're saying you have to look at the bigger picture. And even though maybe you're being moisif a little in the Chol Shem Shemayim, but ultimately the goal is to be, you know, so together of Chalalol of Shabbos Achad Shalol of Shabbos is Harbe. You know, as you feel that you could use this relationship to turn it around, that would be a svara maybe to that's, to that's, yeah. almost like a Hira Shah to go to go beyond what the letter of the law would require. You Issues of Talmud Torah. In other words, uh, it, obviously, um, the primary method, at least uh, in my opinion, of Kirush should be through Torah. Um, so there's issues that come up. So uh, one issue is, um, and unfortunately, I think it does come up a fair amount, is we have to be careful that when we present Torah, we're presenting it in an accurate, authentic way. As opposed, in other words, um, obviously my first three shiurim for a beginner's group is not going to be Soita, Ir Hanidachas, and Mechia Samolek. I wouldn't choose those as the first three topics. Um, but when someone asks... And the, re- the reason being, let me just fill in what you're saying to our crowd, both oh. have a problem of collective punishment, which is, well, a, yeah. which is abhorrent to your average person and very difficult to understand. Very difficult to understand, exactly. Right. Uh, on the, right. But when someone asks you about something, um, the question is, are you allowed, uh, and my opinion is definitely not, but are you allowed to like, uh, you know, no, the Torah doesn't really say, no, the answer is, I would say here, Ibus HaTorah, the distortion of Torah, is an issue, and one is not allowed to do that, even if you feel it will win someone over. Now, I, can, I, can, I can refer to something and a certain schools of thought, and I may stress one school of thought over another, but... But to lie about Bibbet Torah... Even though you do find the, the concept of Dachai Son Bakash, many times in the Gemara when they were dealing with, you know, different Tzadikim, etc., he gave a, an answer that was sort of a, a light-hearted, a humorous answer, and the Gemara says he was Dachai Son Bakash. You do see that concept. There, but however, there, I think there may be that they were aware that it was a Dachia Bakash. The, the Yamsor Shloima, very famous... Exactly, when it talks about the the, the Roman scholars, and they were teaching them. So there, he, he says, why didn't they just lie? In other words, if the whole thing, it's clear from Toysus that it was a case of Pikuach Nefesh. I mean, they were in danger, right? The emperor, the, the emperor asks you to teach Torah, you can't say no. Otherwise, who knows, right? And, and, they, and also, they must have asked them specifically about questions of Jewish, non-Jewish interaction, as it's clear from the Toysus, etc. The Yom Sosloma says, so why didn't they just lie? Why didn't they just say we're equal and everything? So there he says very, very, uh, very, very powerfully in Kharif, uh Lawson that he says that, that we see from here that Osir Lashanoi Sidibre Torah, you know, that Chayef Yatni Moiser yourself, Moiser Nefesh, not to lie about the Divrei Torah. And I think that is 
something which we have to be aware of. Makarvim should be aware that they have to be careful to be teaching Torah MS, the Torah of Hashem, and not to distort it. I think there's another type of distortion that happens as well, which is not quite as bad as what the Yamsha Shloimer talks about, but it's, 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 there's a similarity. The Rambam says in Moronavuchim that, um, that he says, you know, sometimes if, you, if someone asks you for proof of something, and the proof you give them is not a good proof. It's easily refuted or it's not accurate in some way. He says, even though logically speaking, all it means is that that proof is not a good proof, but the matter about which I'm presenting may still be true. He says, that's not how people's minds work. People's minds work that if I refute the proof, the, the, proof, the whole system is not true. So I think we have to be really careful in Kiru um, of not presenting things which are not accurate. Uh, don't, uh, you know, uh, just, which sometimes there's a tendency for this to happen, uh, to cherry pick statements from a scientist from the 1950s uh, or to present something as being, uh, you know, proof of Torah when it's not. Right? This is very dangerous. A, I think it's a form of Ivus HaTorah. And B, because of what the Rambam says, which is that uh, it tends to discredit the entire system, even though logically speaking, which should only discredit that particular in Talmud Torah, is teaching non-Jews. Um, I remember Or Sameach. The other thing that used to come up, but I mean, it also comes up a lot of places. You teach any time I'm teaching at a campus or any time, uh, yeah, or for a, I just taught for a group from Rutgers, a group from NYU. So, um, you know, it, it's very difficult to know that everyone's Jewish. Right? I mean, there are people in the room who are certainly not Jewish. I, you know, I think I would make a guess that people with Jewish surnames, very likely, someone who's called McCormick, very possibly Jewish, right? Uh, but but um, you don't know. And I remember at Osamath, where a mayor's sister would pick up people at the coastal and bring them to Osamath. So there'd be a group of people or there'd be two people with friends. So what do you do, right? So we know already that there's a history of a motion to Right, you know that to be most to a non-Jew, and, and, and according to a good Yehudah, says that the, the non-Jew himself has an issur to learn it's chayim. Right? So, so you could so you could be either a realist or a naive. So what's the yeah exactly? So first and foremost. Right. The Gemara says in in Chagiga, right? Exactly. So, you know, there is a Silpe Giborium who says it doesn't apply to Nach and to Sipurei Torah, right? Or, um, or for the mitzvahs that the Goyim are, are hiding, right, but, uh, but I assume that's not what you're talking about. No, because generally when, when you're teaching in class, it's not just looking for Nach or Seven Mitzvahs Neinayach, right? Uh, it, 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 it's the whole range of things you're teaching. I mean, Even though, on the other hand, you're allowed to teach to somebody who wants to be a gear, right? You are allowed well, to teach. So yeah, the question is, are the people who are coming to hear your shears because they genuinely want to be inspired by something to do with Yiddishkeit, so maybe you could have that head to hear too? Yeah, not, I don't think so. First of all, um, that, that, that's only actually Bala his Gaia, which, which I think means someone who's actually started the process of Gairus. Uh, aside from which, Rabbi, and Rabbi Kivarager is Machmer even on that, um, but, but, but let's, leaving that aside, I don't think it's realistic to think that two people coming to a class because they're friends, or this is his boyfriend or girlfriend and they're coming to the class together, or this guy thinks he's Jewish but he's not, I don't think that's a Bali is Gaia situation. Right? There, is, there is the view of Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg in Surday age, who he felt that if it's only after if the non-Jew is doing it for the sake of, of Hidush Das, uh, for creating a religion or for being a religion, if he's doing it out of intellectual curiosity or just curiosity in general, he felt there was no Isser. He has a super on that in Surah 8. And 
there's also interesting, uh, at least I think what we can be soimach on is the Igris Moisa. The Igris Moisa was asked about a family, this actually comes up all the time, uh, about someone who, you know, this guy comes home from Yeshiva with his, um, for Pesach, and he's got his huge notebook of Divrei Torah, and then to his chagrin, um, you know, his, uh, his cousin turns up with a non-Jewish boyfriend or something like that. So he asks, you know, he, you know, he says, well, if she's coming, what, what am I supposed to do? Or a non-Jew's there. He asks Rav Moshe, he responds to Feinstein what he can do. So he says, look, if your intention is to teach the Jews there, you don't have to, not, you don't have to refrain from teaching because there's a non-Jew in the room. I'll tell you, um, the, 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 Miri, the Miri over there in Sanhedrin says the reason. He says that the reason why you're not allowed to teach a guy to a, Torah to a guy is because if you learn the Chavrusa, he'll learn from you, but you're also going to learn from him. And you're going to come to learn Mimaseim. That's his Russian, right? But if he's coming to a speech that's, it's, it's the hardest, it doesn't seem like there's some type of a Chavrusa shaft. You know what I mean? So by his speech, it could be, it would be different. Yeah, I mean, the English voice says that, um, he says that the, he says, that um, he says it's possible to him that when it says a moisture in Dibre Torah, it's the English moisture as far as is. And the Gemara says a moisture in Dibre Torah, and that's only if your intent is to be moisture, the Dibre Torah to the up. If your intent is to teach to be moisture, Dibre Torah to Jews, and there's a non Jew there, that's not that's not an issue. That's how the English moisture understands it. And also, today, um, I remember once we, were, we once asked Ruf Scheinberg, um, it was a question of policy. Do we insist that when guys came to Orsamea, they should wear a yarmulke for the classes? They come into not in the it's not in the shul, right? In the shul, you know, it's quite legitimate and understandable. You'll ask someone wear a yarmulke, but to come into the classroom, right, and to to sit there and learn without a yarmulke. So, so there's no isur per se. It's like a right, but but so he said that it's. But to, to create creating an atmosphere of any of a level of coercion where they feel that they they have to that to you know do something in order to hear this uh, these Dibre Torah or to hear this class he feels is pushing them away and you're not obligated to to, to, to ask them to do so. This type of interesting question and it's, it's debatable, right? But but Rav Scheinberg felt that uh, that 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 creating an atmosphere which feels somewhat pressured and coercive to, to, to cooperate and to do mitzvahs and to do religious activities as opposed to just listening to a class is negative and would push them away and he felt that it was not obligated, not not not, uh, not a chiv to do that. Okay, well it's fascinating. I'll tell you something interesting, you know, we do our podcast, right? And I've gotten comments back from Goyim who listen. Uh-huh. So if yeah, well, there'd be a problem of listening there or it would be very problematic. Absolutely. I mean, I do, I do a, a cable TV show on uh, Dimensions of the Duck, right? So uh, that's the type of thing where uh, there are definitely non-Jews who listen, even though it's primarily directed toward, towards Jews. Um, obviously, any time anything goes on the Internet, it's available to anyone. And uh, so uh, that's, that's the type of thing which, uh, which people, you know, uh, have to take into account, I guess, uh, or ask whoever they ask uh, a sailor to. From Mordechai, this was fascinating. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. It was always a pleasure. Culture. Culture. Joining us from Bellevue, Washington, is Rav Mordechai Farkash. He's a shliach in Washington for 28 years. He's a mechaber of a numerous svarim, and he is one of the apaisik in Chabad who other shluchim come to for Shavos and Allah. Welcome, Rav Mordechai. Welcome. So Chabad, obviously, is about Kirov. So t- tell us the halachas that were in the by the, the Ada. You want to invite a guest for Shabbos, 
and I'll give you a number of the problems. One, he's likely going to drive. Two, he's not going to make brachas on anything. Three, he won't wash until a sudayim, which the Shulchan Aruch says clearly, saying the, I believe the Shulchan Aruch Sarav too, that you're not allowed to be uh, a to somebody who won't wash his hands. So how does Chabad, which is the center, and, and, and then we'll ask some more along this, but starting with those three. Let's start with the one. You know, he, you know he's going to drive. He has to get there. So that's the first thing. Right. So, so for a question like this, which is a very, very valid question, I would assume that we first have to explain the question. Okay. I mean, the question sounds very clear. How do you invite them if he's driving? Obviously, the one inviting is not the one driving. Yeah, so you're being over, you're being over, oh, okay. you can't so place a, a stumbling block in front of a yeah, blind person. Let's explain a little bit what the issues are and then see how to deal with them. And obviously, um, this is issues which were raised and discussed by Gdoyle Apostim, uh, including Bedireinu Ahroin, the famous two Gdoylein that we have in America, the Moshe Feinstein, Oliver Sholem, and then in Ertisol, the Pshlemet Amin Oyerbach, Oliver Sholem, but also many other Poskim who are discussing this matter. So let's explain, first of all, what is the issue. Uh, there is basically two or maybe three issues. It starts up with a... Which the Torah writes, you're not allowed to place an, an obstacle in front of the blind. Which, when we are inviting someone to drive to us on Shabbos, I perhaps, or even myself, the one who is inviting him, is violating the Isulifneiver because seemingly he would not have dri- driven to my house without the invitation. So this is a Yisudei Raisa. Regarding this Yisudei Raisa, it's important to know there are conditions which the Gemara of the Zorah and Davov and Shukhan Aruch discusses. What are the conditions to be over And one of the very famous classic principles in violating Lifneiver has to do with what the Gemara calls the difference between Trey Avre de Nehara and Chad Avre de Nehara, the two opposite sides of the river, or on the same side of the river. But basically, the Gemara uses an example. You have a Nazir, and the Nazir is on one side of the river, and a Nazir is obviously not allowed to drink wine, and a Yid comes and he offers him a bottle of wine. What is the Yid over? Well, the Gemara depends. If the bottle was in the other side of the river, that the Nazir was not able to cross and to get to the wine, unless I was the one delivering it. Therefore, I am over a flip in the evil of However, it was the Chad Avre Denar, on the same side of the river, there's the bottle of wine. The Nazir, if he wishes, he can go and approach the bottle and drink the cup of wine without my assistance. But the Gemara, in such a case, there is no Isra of Lifneiv. And this is a principle which is not being argued, it's accepted la locha, which means lemaisa, and that's what some Paskin would say, that I, letting, letting a Jew know that I want him to come to my house and asking him to come and eat by me, am I making him drive in other words, he wouldn't drive without me. Or this is a Yid who doesn't know anything about not driving on Shabbos. And therefore, he drives around all kinds of places and happens to be that at this time he's going to spend most of the time in my house. This is nothing together of Chad Avra the Ne'ara. Therefore, some person would say that in such a case, there is no Yisrael Torah at least neither. Something which is written, by the way, in Allah, in other things, Reb Shem Zalman, or about renting a house for Michal Shabbos. And you know that the guy is going to come into the house, he's probably going to do all kinds of avedas, which is not of the house. If he wouldn't have your house, he wouldn't do it. And he explains the house 
is the hefsa of the Yisr. In other words, am I helping him do the Aveda by giving him the house? You know, is the wine for the Nazir? No. And that's the that's the, the common result. But but Rabbi Rabbi Farkish, I, I see a difference. I see that if you invite somebody to the house, what he does in the house, what you're doing is giving him a house. If he does Averis in the house, is sort of secondary. When you tell somebody to come to you for Shabbos, which means there's no way really for him to get there without driving, it's much more direct than here's a house and do what you want. What does it mean? Right. Talking now about the driving. Right. So I, I'm telling you, you live in New York. You live in. He lives in. He lives in Tacoma. You live in in Bellevue. The only way to get there is by car. So you're basically telling him, come to me, which means you know he's going to drive. Whereas if he's in the house, he may do dvaramasurim in the house. He may not do dvaramasur. That's one point. And the other point that you said about um, he anyway would drive. I mean. Maybe he would, or maybe he wouldn't. I mean, maybe he lives in New York where he'll take the bus. But here you're telling him to do for sure something. Right. I, I'm not telling him to drive, obviously. I mean, the way he's going to get to you, you know, is by car. First of all, any time I, uh, I invite someone to the accept the invitation. And second of all... But if, if he accept, if, let's say he says yes. If he says yes, would you be able to stay there? Oh, so here uh, comes a good point, which I will come in a moment, that if we know that he's definitely going to drive... If we know that it's definitely going to happen, so do, we do have a certain obligation on us and the Majmin, which I'm going to speak in a moment, is to offer them the opportunity to do it without driving. And I'm going to come to it, and that's exactly what we're doing in the Maisa. But I'm talking first in the, in the discussion in Aloha, that's how Poskin can argue and get into this, to this concept of neither of considering the difference between Chad Avredanahara and Re Avredanahara. You see, Rabbi, Rabbi Farkas, I would just say that if a person lives in New York, and he says, the guy could come to me by train. Or the guy could come to me drive. He's going to drive. Maybe he'll take a taxi. Maybe he'll take a train. Those would be story drop on it, arguably, right? right. Which is much more no, kill. But if you, live in, if you live in a different city and there's no buses and you know the guy's not taking a bus, I would make the argument that's much more like Trevor Denara than if he's in New York and he could take the train over it. I, okay. I will come to it. I will come to that. You're raising a good point. Like I said, I will come to it okay. by introducing a concept of allowing the person the opportunity not to drive. I will come to it. Let me just okay. go over the issues first. Yeah. The second issue is tasteless. Tasteless, which talks about the Lifneiver, tasteless with Shabbos, says that there is one thing is the Deiraisa Lifneiver, which perhaps as a Tchad Avra de you're not going to be violating it, but there is still a Yisra de Rabbonon. Yisra de Rabbonon is called Messiah Ledvaravir. You, the one who gave him the cup, even though you were standing on the same side of the river. But you, the Maise, gave it to him, and therefore, you are over of the Yisra of Messiah. So this includes, this is included in the discussion, and at the same time, we know that Boskin dealt with the two, and this goes into what you mentioned about washing one's hand, or giving him, sorry, giving him food without washing his hand. Well, there's a famous Safsoifer and other Paskin, which are mechalic, they're differentiating between the Easter of Messiah, when you do it, Peshasa Avera, you give him something now to do the Avera with it, and then is when you're supporting him, then is when you give him the, 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 the Avera uh, object, or when the Messiah comes before the time of the Aveda, which we again going to use the Heter of Chad Avra Denara. In the Ksapsoifus Chidush, another Paschim, which got me that Mahalach, that the Isu Messiah, which is the Isu de Rabbonon, 
putting his hand during the discussion in Shabbos and Shimon Shimon Zion and you're putting something in his hand that that even if he would have been able to take it by himself with the Rabbonon it's also to give it to him because he had Messiah Ledvar Avera and as the which comes Lifnei Avera before the Avera that's delayed so how, how are you comparing that to this case here by uh... here this is the invitation with the Poskimah discussing is the invitation which takes place is not an invitation which is the Shas Maisavir. I'm calling him from before Shabbos, and I tell him I would like you to come to join us for Shabbos and to be in having a Shabbos in Korea. And at the same time, am I the Messiah because you know he's going to do it with Shabbos? The answer is since it's Lifnei Shasa Isur, Lifnei Zmano Isur, so, so my father, this would help. This would help for a drabana, but it wouldn't help if it's a, if it's a, if it's a deraisa, right? That's why I took it off from the deraisa. We went to the drabana. We went down from lifneiva deraisa. Had avra de nehara, tzivayisu drabana. But 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 Rabbi Farkish, if you're inviting somebody from a different town and it's a car, unless he's driving a Tesla, so you're pulling me back to the local mice. So yeah. I want to go back to the local. So I'm going to go straight to the local mice where it's being discussed. Right. We know that this, and that's the way it's being done, that the Paschim agreed, and the Flamazalman writes it clearly in Shalasachuvas Min Chashloyma, in Chelik Beis. Now, it depends which Chelik Beis you're going to have. Unfortunately, there were two Chelik Beis which were printed between one year and the other. One is it's Chelik Beis, Dalad Eser, 10, 2, 4, 10. Chelik Beis, Simon Dalad, or Yud. Yeah. I'm going to find it down here. And we have today in the market. I think about a year later I was taken out. I don't know the reason. The Flamizama writes a, a letter to um, to uh, someone who was dealing with what we call Kiruv. And he says very clearly, letter, saw it, I have it. He says that if you offer him a place to stay in a way that he's not going to eat in the shop, he says, I'm sorry, he's not going to accept it. But you, Mitzitcho, you are inviting him and you're offering him an opportunity to tell him that you are not going to be Chal Shabbos. So basically, you're making a machoyas of speak and striving, and you also give him an opportunity to do it. Then, is what the Shlomazaman writes clearly, is okay, and that's what other person say, is okay to invite someone to come Shabbos to your house. So wait, so wait, this is... Yeah, so this is wait, this is accepted that if you if you invite somebody to your house for Shabbos and you say, look, and you could come before Shabbos and you could sleep by me overnight, so you're not doing lufna either because you could do everything but oifin that's mutter in a way that is permitted. Not only, so I then, know, so right, so you could come. The fact that you chose to do it in a way that's usher, so I'm not over, not lufna either, and not misayeya because right. you are now making a choice. I'm giving it to you, but let's say so. One now, second. that's like I'm just going to add, add up to it. Yeah. Therefore, that's what usually is being done. I can tell you from my experience. We have rooms downstairs. There's a hotel next door. If a person who gets invited from a place which would be difficult for him to walk, you have to consider also walking a distance is also not a problem if you consider if you can 
if you can consider that the, the person is walking loved after driving, right? At the same time, we offer all these to people. Every person who gets invited knows that if Farkas is inviting him, you are being to ask to stay. We have two rooms downstairs. There is a there is a not comfortable. Please stay because of Chabas. And then people make their choices. Through the years, many people ended up staying. And Baruch Hashem, we have wonderful Balichuvas today, which uh, accepted the invitation and stayed. If I care, they're staying in the house. Gave them so, the, the biggest encouragement to 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 to, to stop driving on Shabbos. So Rabbi Farkas, you're saying that you give them the opportunity where there's no Shaila of Lasayir. Now let's say or Masayir. Or Masayir. Let's say you're uh, you 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 inviting guests and they you don't have the place for them to stay. Would you be allowed to invite the guests then? So if the and you and you know they're going to drive from far away, right? So if so I want to know what is what is done hug of Chabad? Would they do that or not? I'm answering it. Yeah. In this case, if somebody would ask me, I would answer them very clear. If you don't have for them a place to stay, and you know that for them the only way to go is to go through long freeways, they're not going to be able to walk, and they're not going to accept the invitation. They, they, they're not. There's no hotel nearby which they are going to check in. Then you, I wouldn't invite them. They might come there. And is, so, is, so is Chabad Machmer Taka? Do they hold that? That yeah, if they, as far as I know, that's what people do here. So I'll tell you. By the way, there there is another opinion, and that's of Ramoshi Sternbach, among others. And and they believe that the din of Lifnaiver you you have to look at the Clolius. You have to look at it in context. So when you're inviting a person to come eat by you by Shabbos, Shabbos. Shabbos, this is a friar person. He doesn't know who Moshe Rabbeinu is, right? For the most part, he doesn't know anything. If he never sees a Shabbos, the chance is that he'll 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 end up, you know, you know what I mean, among those, you know, uh, uh, among the the, the Shamis, you know what I mean, that are avudim, right? Is avudim uh, are very great. So the list either is like this: I'm putting a block in front of you that's a Shiloh of Chil Shabbos. On the other hand, there's a concept of mutav shi'chal Shabbos achas, valuchal shaharbe Shabbos. I'm trying to save the person. Shemayshu Sternbuch says that that does not have a din of lifta either, because you don't look at that mice in itself. You look at the clolius of am I helping you or am I hurting you? Right, right. It's, which would be which would be a big a big a big tzad to be to be makil right. for for people who are being makariv. Right. But the same the Moshe Sternbuch also writes over, if I remember correctly, in the Tzuras Vanogas and the Tzuras Chalokim, he brings up an issue of Chilul Hashem. But he talks more about going to a shul. Um, I think maybe he talks about going to the house also. He brings up an issue of Chilul Hashem, and he suggests he says actually tell them not to park next to your house. Okay. <laughs> For some people, it might be it might be worse. Some people would consider that if you getting involved with their parking conditions, then you. Well, they could, but it, it could, but somebody watching, he could be a guy for all practical purposes. He doesn't know who's coming either. Right, 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 right. I'm just saying, there's a time to be makel because what, what you're doing is certainly lahalacha, the better way to go. But it, it it would preclude many people who who don't have that opportunity, who don't have the extra rooms, or don't have a hotel. I want to mention one more thing. If you think of Mr. Sternbuch, there is obviously a big discussion. I'm sure that people have. Familiar with Ramesha's Mahalach, right? Ramesha in uh, in the beginning Chelik Aleph, he has a very strict uh, response about inviting people to come to a shul on Shabbos, right? 
Yeah, Ramosha is in Chelik Aleph, Chuvat Tzadik Tes, Tzadik Ches, Tzadik Tes, and Ayin Aleph. Chelik Dalet, Ayin Aleph, three places. By the way, this is very relevant, just to give a preclude to what you're going to say. Almost every Chabad show I've been to, uh, that's in a, you know, Favorf in a place, right, has a Shabbos minion. And a, a substantial amount, I can't, I don't want to say for everybody, but I've seen many places where, you know, 100 people come to, to Shabbos, they drive. Now, Leut Ramosha Sternbach, Right, except without getting into the issue of Chil Hashem, he, you could make the argument, well, if they're, they're coming to drive on Shabbos, the Shiloh of the Flavor, they would be in McDonald's if they weren't in Shul. So you try, ultimately, the goal is to try to be Makar of them. So, you know, the Hetzer of Moshe Shtermach, I believe, is based on a Kiveg. I'm not sure if he brings it or not. You know, Gary for Nick says, you look at at the end of the day, where more of is being done. But Ramosh's ass is it. And the argument that you would make for a Moshe is he believes that it's it's a a shail of chil Hashem and b that it's it's sort of it's a type of a ziyof like when it, you're coming to show by driving. So I, I have a stickle a shorter. I can't say it's a hundred percent because I don't know what Rabbi Kalabach the truly is written to when he wrote the Moshe. I think my ashara is I'm not convinced, but I'm throwing it out there. Love Dafka, the Moshe is talking about the discussion that we have over here about inviting people because we are looking to save their lives, Ruchmias and Begashmias from the world out there. It's very possible that this tshuva has to do with the fact that, in, as we know the stories in those days, shoes were emptying out. People moved out of neighborhood and shoes were collapsing. Communities were completely, you know, um, um, getting lost. And Rabbanim, or maybe Gaboim, or Rashikol, were looking maybe ways to try to get their, their membership back, not to lose the shoe. You know, in New York, in Detroit, in many places, even in Seattle, shoes were lost because the community changed and people moved out. Ken Zion could be that that's what the Moshe is talking about. To, he, he doesn't mention anything about Kiruv. He, he mentions the idea of inviting people to drive to Yeshua and Shabbos knowing they're going to use cars and coming from far. I'm sorry, I'm throwing it out. Could be Ashur. And then, could be that this is not going to be a part of this discussion either. It, that's look. It's 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 certainly very. You know, I I I once uh, a conservative rabbi once told me he said it's better to have an empty garage than an empty shul, which which very much goes with what you're saying. Look, you know, we're not going to have a shul anymore. We have to allow the congregants to drive. It wasn't about it wasn't about using it as a way to be makar of them to become yereshamayim. We believe that we'll try to get one of Ramosh's aniklach to opine on that. So are you sort of saying that it's sort of like an eighth lasleis lashem? Is that really what you're saying? No, no. I'm not. I'm not using the Islamists. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm clearly dealing with the Isuri Matlifni Iver. Personally, if you're asking me, I'm dealing with the Lifni Iver. I'm dealing with the Messiah. Obviously, I'm dealing with the Islamists for Hashem in regarding to avoid Machoe, Toichoche. There is other things which I might look away, which in other areas would be halachically required, which be dealing with the Tinekshenishbo type of Jews who don't know nothing about anything. Then I would say, okay, we gotta do what we can to bring them back. But clearly, I would not suggest in any way to be over an Easter if we consider that something to be an Easter just because of a Slasas. Even though Rebbe Zalman, I'm sure you know, everybody knows the famous tshuva Rebbe Zalman writes in regarding to um, giving food 
to uh, somebody who is not washing his hands. Oh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that now. So you're, you're, you're a Chabad house, and you invite every Shabbos. You're trying to be Makar of people. And you know the vast majority are not going to wash. They're not going to make brachas. Not not because they're malicious, but they don't know what a bracha is, and they don't know, you, you never heard of it, you know? So are you allowed to do that or not? Right. So clearly, Shabbat is clearly the halacha, and Simon Kufsama Gimel, I believe. But you're not allowed to give food for somebody who's not washing his hands. It's an evil to sit in Mishra, even if it's his bread, but you're only ending it over. Here, first of all, practically speaking, in every single Chabadas, even though I'm here, but I did visit other Chabadas and the other Chabadas in the area, always, always, we have a lot of Friday night dinners and, 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 and people who are coming. And always is there an announcement after Kiddush, please go over to wash your hands. Beautiful. Be assisted in the lines of people lining up and they stand, my children are standing next to them, showing them how to wash. Really, really do I notice somebody who actually would remain on his place and not go standing. It's like a common thing, and they're all standing. So you're saying the mamish, the mamish to do it lechumri? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Part of the experience, they heard kiddush. Yeah. Community. Right. Now, what about brachas? Beautiful. So let me, so let me ask you next. What about brachas? Are they making an announcement yeah, usually, to make a bracha? Usually, assist uh, people there. Would they show you even how to wash? Now you have to remember in Chabad, when it comes to washing, they go not only two times; they go three times on each end. So we, we tell them, "This is how we do it," and please say after me. Baruch, or we have a few people doing it together, and then we say the bracha together. It's very, like, I never, ever remember a situation which somebody was, uh, we just went from Kiddush, allowing people, without announcing the washing concept, I don't see fakert. Yes, again, the point. Good, washing, washing, I understand. What about brachas? I, and then again, they come inside, and one makes the amaiti, and I've seen the tabilkas which the person who makes the moitzi also eats together with them. So then you're allowed to be moitzi others, right? As many people do it bechlal in their houses in such a way. And I don't see bechlal an issue in that. In my house, for sure, that that's what the kids do. They get up after kiddush and they escort the guests and they even tell them to be quiet. And it's a whole uh, spiel of you know. And there was emphasis. Most most people when they I might see the whole bnei bayis with the lecha mishnah. So bracha is not an issue. Right. So, but, but here's the problem. But here's the real problem. And again, it looks like that he was dealing in a much more sensitive or delicate situation that we are dealing in the Chabalos. He talks about that in, you know, in Simon Amit Hay, in the first Chalik. I think it was still printed in Chayov. So he talks about that somebody has a chash of a guest, but he's not a shayla teiro mitzvah, and he loves the teiro. And he says that if you're not going to treat them nicely and respectfully, right? The example that he gives is because you're going to tell him you got to wash, make a bracha before you eat, he's going to get uh, gechaket, right? And he's going to get this rachet. What does the Flamazan say here? He comes, he comes with a husband, a very interesting husband. There is a smaller michshel and there is a bigger michshel. The right. smaller michshel is to make him eat without washing. And the bigger Bechshul is the Senate that it's going to create. That is going to hate you. Right. It's going to disrespect from Eden. And for that, Dr. Flemazalman would take away the requirement from Israel if and he brings the Allah, I think, 
in order to save him. I'm not yeah. giving it to the Kofi Shabbos, but maybe by, you know, to start considering small versus big. But the idea, the outlook of Isaac, which had a, a view on, um, on, 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 on our generation and what we're dealing with, is mind-boggling. It's like, wow. No. But 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 that's that's a drabana. Let's not go to benching, which is a deraisa. Bechlau, the issue of mesayia has to do with before the avera, and not after. In other words, if I offer him food and now he needs to eat it, and I'm not having him wash, right? So then, might be an issue. I'm mesayia for that person to go over avera. Rabbi Targash, I agree with that. I'm talking about the, the, the rise of benching. How do you deal with that? Saying the fact that he decides not to bench, this is really nothing to do with me. This is really nothing to do with me. <laughs> you're saying on that you're, you're just a messiah, yeah. I have an obligation to offer him the opportunity to bench, which we always do. We bench together and we give adventures. But the fact that he decides to not to bench for whatever reason, the fish is not problem. This is mamish nothing to do with me. This is the, this is the, this is the, this, this part of the Avera is mamish nothing to do with me. No, but, but respectfully, well, I, w- I would say that, that, that this is Trey over Dinara not giving, you know, benching. I mean, the only reason he has to bench is because you fed him, right? And you know he can't bench. But he can bench for sure. He doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to bench. And she has no interest. I offer them an opportunity to bend. We have benchers, and everybody announces the time of benching. There is no question that we tell people, um, and this is, you know, when you have people, Orchim, forget about. So, so Rabbi Farkish, let's do the takeaway. You say that the best way to do it, and the way you do it is, you're not Saimachan or Sternbach, but you tell people there's some place to stay for Shabbos when you invite them, some place to sleep, and they can come before Shabbos. So you have no problem with them coming there. Legabe, legabe the meals, you say, everybody you ask to wash. The Balabais makes a bracha, as might see everybody on the bracha. And by benching, you're saying, you bench. They have, they could bench along. You give out the benches. Elu Dvarim Shenem Rubachaloshin is benching. You give out a benching that has an English translation. They can clearly do it. So at that point, you yeah, certainly... It's a, little, it's a little more challenging than that, the, the benching issue with uh, being moitzi someone. If he doesn't understand the benching, and Allah has an issue with that. But if they bench in their loshin... In their loshin, you can yeah. give them the English benches, so there's no yeah. problem. So yeah. side, there's no misayaya, there's no... And that way you do it without being ksaymach on any heterim. You do it to tolchom resadim. Rabbi Farkash, we're always amazed how Chabad and Mamish in the most far corners in the world is medagdik and halacha kichot Thank you very much for your time, Rabbi Farkash. You're very welcome. Shuras Davis. Cult of a good year. Shalom Rebbechel David. Mother Digger Riddle this week. And I think maybe we can answer... Um, you know, we, we, we look at Yitzchak Avinu in this expression, he seems somewhat naive, which is very hard to say about what about others. Elamai, you know, Yitzchak saw something in Esav that he thought maybe he could be Makara with him. You know, if he gave him a big enough hug, maybe Esav would become, you know, the Yitzchak, the Zvulun for, for Yaakov uh, to, to, to stay the uh, oil. But um, maybe Yitzchak gave the bracha with standards. He said, look, I think that Esav has potential. He didn't realize that, you know, Gehenna was open under him. And when he talk, figured that out, he's like, well, this is a big mistake. But when he gave the brachas to who he thought was Esav, he did it with standards that Esav was going to take care of Yaakov, uh, spiritually with the, the physical bracha that he was going to give him. And then when he found out that it wasn't, that the Esav wasn't who he thought he was, then in the bracha was supposed to be given to Yaakov. 
Hello, my name is Yisrael Kramer. I wanted to answer the riddle of the week that how, what was the advice to go and trick Yitzchak into giving Yaakov the bracha when he thought he was giving it to Esav, it was Betos and therefore Michal. So I would suggest that there's three layers to this. First of all, we know that even the klala of a tzaddik, which isn't meant to be, but it still has the power, we find by Rachel that she passed away, even though Yaakov would never have uh, said the kolo on her. We find that uh, that Yehuda didn't have uh, his bol- his bones were rolling, and he was uh, potentially not going to have. Uh, he had trouble in in Ganeidan because of the Tanai with Yaakov, even though he filled it properly and he brought back Binyamin. So we see even the call of a tzaddik has a tremendous power. So Kavachoma, we always say that uh, to- the Midah Tov is Merula. And therefore, the bracha of a tzaddik, even though it may not have the full power, and even if those batos, it still would have some type of kim, much more than the kola would have, and that would a be something. That's first of all, just to make one one step. Step number two, you know, the mafarshim say that Yitzchak afterwards, once Esav revealed that it was Yaakov that stole the brachos. The Mepharshim explained Yitzchak's response to Esav that he was being Mekayim anyway. He was saying it should still go to Yaakov. So, you know, it could be that even though normally we say Betos, it wouldn't work. But if there's a, like, Haskam in the end, it would work. It would work. That would be, like, layer number two. Layer number three is that the Mepharshim discussed how, what was Yitzchak's Cheshven anyway? Like, to give it to Esav, he didn't know who Esav was, but there's a number of uh, rayas that it seemed like he understood that Esav wasn't Hakoko Yaakov, Yedayim de Esav, Reach Nechach, Bogdov, he smelled Ganeidim with Yaakov. Esav talked roughly, Yaakov spoke Yaakov Na'avi, speaking very... He clearly saw many differences between the two. And yet he wanted to give the brachas to Esav, so, so one of the explanations is that he wanted it to be Yitzchak's vulnerable relationship, that the brachos, which were for Gashmias, would go to Esav, but it was really to support Yaakov. In which case, really, the brachos really were meant for Yaakov in a roundabout way. It was supposed to be Michal and Esav, but it was really to benefit Yaakov. In which case, the whole point was really to prop up Yaakov, so it wasn't really betos. He gave it to Yaakov, and the whole point was for it to benefit Yaakov anyway. In such a case, it would not be called betos. So, just three potential layers to uh, part to take away from the question and part to answer the question. I think that that's uh, noteworthy. Thank you very much. Shalom. Good morning. This is Abba Wolf calling to answer the question about the brachas being chal and yankiv, even though it was not intended for him. So, if you go along with the idea of the mechiras abachayro. Um, qualifying him for the brachas, so then Mamela really is his. It's like somebody sold an IOU, so then you can't say Labal Varm Didiyat. Nishnarang and can exactly how that Mechira works, but the Bechira was at this point rightfully anchored. So Mamela, and when Yitzchak even heard, as Bechirati Lokach Vinayat and Lokach Perchasi, he said Gamboruch. Even before he said it, he said Gamboruch here. So Gamboruch here means he's saying that. Yes, it's all on on whomever I gave the rocks to before. But when he heard 
about the Bechayr being sold. Again, this is all in Rashi. I mean, you, don't, you don't even need the Pshut HaShel Mikrochomish for this one. In the Forsha Rashi's. But then he was not much to go there. However, let's just, let's go with Rivka, who doesn't even know about the Mechir HaShel Let's go before Yitzchak said Gambor here, and what would be without that? So, uh, sort of Masamelech gives an interesting marshal for this. It's uh, a disc in the Shivan Kaltaira. He says that suppose somebody asks you directions. He wants to go a chveis. He asks you where Monty Boulevard is. You know, and you know that there's a vision of Tachasna going on, and there's nothing going on in Satmar right now. So you know that he really means to say we're still with Terrace. And you tell him how to get to still with Terrace around the corner, incidentally. Um, that's the right direction, because that's really what he's looking for. If you would know, let's, let's give a different example. Let's, just, let's say you're a taxi driver, and a couple will get into your car, or, and, a guy, and a guy asks you, you know, uh, where's the wherever you're near, I don't know, you ask, where's the basic social, and you know that this guy means basic social, but he happens to use the word basic social, which would be a human as a title. If you know that he means something else, it's just saying the wrong word for it, not identifying it properly, then advisor the mystery would be to get him to his proper destination. It doesn't hurt to correct him, but if you think that it will hurt to correct him, then you don't have to. So in this instance, where at this point, it's a little bit moot to try to point out the Yitzchak, that Ace is not going to the problem to Hulu Yitzchak wants to bench it. Yitzchak wants to bench Yitzchak, but if Yitzchak would would know Yitzchak's activities, he also wouldn't want to bench him. And Rivka knows that, just she knows that he's not aware of Yitzchak's uh, situation. So Mamela, she's sending, she's sending Yank, and believing that he's talking to the right person, he's the one who the brothers are really right for. Uh, this wasn't even her idea. Ramavina didn't want to bench Yitzchak because he saw Yitzchak Yitzchak, and so we, we know where the brothers are really destined for Yitzchak. Uh, you can say that in the Hafsar we read also in Malachi that everything is really supposed to be headed for Yankiv. So I was she's just redirecting it to the proper name and address, but not not the uh, but the Brok Sachal to be the way they were supposed to be Chal. In other words, he wants to bench his son who's supposed to get the Brok. So it turns out that he was given a wrong address, but this is for this is the attendant recipient, he's doing his job. Brokasar is doing their job in being Chal. Well, Marshall, let's take this with an interest with a different twist. In this week's parasha, let's say Ruffle, you know, Lovin goes and changes the name of the story to Leia and Ruffle, something like that. So could he then say that, uh, well, you know, you ask for, for Ruffle, and this is Ruffle, right? That's why I can spell that. Ruffle, this I kind of a, would such a, would such a marriage be Kyle? I believe that it would be just as not Kyle. The only reason why the marriage is Kyle at all is because the end of the might be lost to be less close. But that, um, it's not the intended recipient. I don't care if you call her Rachel. I don't care if you call her Bitcoin. I don't care if you call her Akana. The Rachel, this time the anchor was being Makadish, was, was a certain person. It was a real such person. And that's the only one who will be called on. So the same thing over here. And the Fakat is here. Like the process was supposed to go to the Noi Haroi. And certainly, once we know the anchor really was the Bitcoin, but even without that, is not rowing. Yankiv is rowing, so then available. Uh, the drops were found exactly the way they were intended to be. It's not similar to the case of Yankiv and by uh, by Yankiv's children, by Yvonash and Ephraim, where it seems, where it seems to Yankiv that there's a mistake about who should get, uh, I guess, the Iker or the Brooks and who should get the Shnehem. 
Hi, this is Moshe Cohn. I'm coming to answer the question that you asked, why would you Yitzhak Baruch at Yaakov, which was given thinking that he was Yitzhak, why would that work? Why isn't that comparable to what Yitzhak tried to fix in his father's hands because, as Roman explains, that if there was a toast in the bracha, that would not that, that would not work. So, in the Ramban, my answer is that the Ramban himself seems to indicate the opposite. Yosef thought his, his father was making an error. He took from there that the, that the Ruch HaKadosh was not Shera on his father. And if the Ruch HaKadosh was not Shera on his father, so then the Bracha would not be affected. By Yaakov, on the contrary, he really deserved the Bracha. When he got the Bracha, it wasn't a proof that the Ruch HaKadosh was not Shera on his father. Um, if anything, like his father said, and then he said, you see that it was and it was something which was that he should get the bracha. So um, it wouldn't, in his case, it wouldn't at all be a statement that his father's confused or the mind is wandering. No, he gave him the bracha because he was the one who was supposed to get the bracha. The question was only how you're going to do it. So that he did it by disguising himself to be Asa. Yes, hi. Just to answer on the riddle, he asked a question that the, the Baruch was not um, the answer the Chaim could give is a very simple answer that he wanted to to bench the Bechar. So Yaakov is the Bechar. Yitzchak didn't know that they sold the Bechayda. And even Isaac was a liar. He said, it wasn't even it wasn't even um, Ramos. It was just um, it was a normal Mechida. Um, so that's the whole thing. So Mamaila, even I asked the question: Why didn't Why didn't Zivka say to Yitzchak that they sold the Bechayda? Why didn't he know that the Hamikdover says already that they didn't want to tell Yitzchak because there was Yitzchak avoided to love Isaac and he shouldn't know what's going on.